Well, it's good to see you this morning. We're going to give attention this morning to the second element in our vision statement today. Um, they're going to put that on the screen, but I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to go ahead and share a couple of prayer requests. Is that okay? When I finish um, and step aside, uh, Brother Chris will be coming for prayer requests. Some of you have asked about joy this morning. Uh, yesterday afternoon, she was at Sam's Club. Uh, joy is my wife, incidentally, for those who don't know that. But uh, Joy was at Sam's Club picking up some things for the daycare and unloading them into the car. And when she did, she must have been handling something with a little weight to it. I'm not sure. She doesn't even remember exactly what happened. But at any rate, she lost her balance and and put out her hands to um, break her fall and and in the uh, floorboard of the car, and she broke her wrist. Uh, so we took her to urgent care and had the x-rays, and the x-ray shows that her wrist was broken all the way through, but thankfully it wasn't uh, displaced or dislocated, so she won't have to have any surgery, but she does have a splint on now from the elbow to the fingertips, and We'll have that several days until the swelling goes down, and then she'll get a cast for a couple months. So if you would uh, remember her in prayer this morning as we pray. And also it's highly unusual as well that my father is not in church. And uh, dad, um, I guess, probably injured himself somehow getting ready for the storm. Mom said he got a couple gallons of gas, a couple five-gallon jugs of gas and and uh, maybe picking those up to get ready for the hurricane, um, maybe have injured himself, but at some point he he's injured, let's put it that way, but he's in quite a bit of pain today and not able to be here. Then, of course, Joy's parents, um, as you know, Joy's been going there about 50% of the time caring for them as her mother has had a stroke about uh, close to three months ago now, I guess. And uh, we'll be leaving this afternoon going down that way uh, as Joy sits with them for a couple of days. Um, I'm, I have an appointment in High Point tomorrow at our church state office there. And um, I've been asked to serve on the finance committee there for the coming uh, couple of years. So there's a meeting there. So I'm going to go with Joy and accompany her to her parents who also live in High Point. So if you would, just uh, remember her family, Joy and her, and uh, Dad, and um, others will be shared a little bit later, but uh, I wanted to share those with you so I wouldn't have to do it after I finished sharing the Word today. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we're grateful today for your Word, and I'm grateful for the opportunity now for going on 40 years of being able to share your word. I love your word, and it's a privilege today to open it and to share things that you have spoken to my heart about and shown me in the scripture. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to learn, to grow to be built up spiritually as a result of what we hear and also maybe even to change our behavior and attitude as it relates to church growth and reaching others for you. Give wisdom, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
I'd like for you to read our vision statement with me again. We read this last Sunday, but read it out loud with me if you would. To be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. That's the first element. The next one, to provide education concerning God and His Word. That's the second one. The third one is to love God and love people. And then finally, and to accomplish this through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, with regard to the first um, of the elements to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. We talked quite a bit about how it is our responsibility as a church to have compassion and openness to people that the Lord might bring into our congregation, into our lives, into our neighborhoods. Not everybody looks like you, acts like you, and believes like you. However, we have been given a mandate from Scripture in the Great Commission, as we'll see in a few moments, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We'll talk more about that. But we, as children of God, are supposed to have a desire to reach people and an openness to to accept them, to love them, even when they don't look like us, believe like us, um, have the same culture as us, perhaps, Still, we are to share the gospel with them and love them and then allow the Spirit of God to do a work in their lives and bring them unto himself. We used the examples last week of how Jesus interacted with people. And they brought to Jesus one day a woman who had been caught committing the very act of adultery. I am reminded that the Bible goes so far as to say, They caught her in the very act. She was caught red-handed, so to speak. And they drug her into the temple in front of Jesus where he was, uh, expecting probably that he was going to condemn her and let her have it. And instead, he said to them, Now, whoever among you is here who has never sinned, if you've never messed up, then you throw the first stone. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And the Bible says that they, from the oldest to the youngest, turned around and walked away. And she was left standing there with Jesus. And he, with love in his eyes, looked at her and said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is an attitude that we need to have. That type of love, that type of compassion... That type of um, willingness to tell the truth and to let her know that it was wrong, but don't do it anymore. There's a God who loves you. Jesus also preached or shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with a woman in Samaria who, according to the Jews, would not have been worthy. They didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans, but Jesus offered her living water and her life was transformed. And as a result of that in her testimony, the city where she lived was transformed, the Bible says, and many people came to the Lord. You never know when you share the love of God with somebody how that's going to impact their lives or the lives of other people that they know and may bring. So last Sunday in the first element, our church is to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. We are supposed to care. Amen? A caring church, a loving church, a church that has compassion on those who have problems, 
Never, ever do we have the right to look down our noses at people as if we're better than they are and have an attitude, uh, you know, condescending to where they, just that attitude's got to go. And we have to learn that church is about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people who need him. And people who come into our church, they need help. They need Jesus. They need the word of God. They need to be loved. They need to be accepted. Studies will tell us that most people know they need the Lord. But many of them are afraid to go to church because they don't think they will be accepted or loved. That's why we've recently put 12 banners out in front of our church that say welcome. We want anybody who rides down this highway to know they would be welcome in this church. Amen. Amen. I don't care who they are, what their lifestyle is, or what they believe. That does not matter. You say, Pastor, where they're a homosexual. Good. Get them to come to church. They need to be here. Well, you don't know they're a prostitute. Good. Then bring them to church. They need to hear the gospel. They need to be here. It's the people who are, it's the people who are messed up that need Jesus and who need to be here. So we need to make sure that when they come, we love them and open our hearts to them and are welcoming to them. That is the first element in our vision statement to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. If you're on board with me on that, would you say amen? Now we come to the second one, and I hope you can be on board with this one. Because this one's a little tougher. This one may hit home a little harder than the first did. And we're going to talk today about how that it is our vision as a church to provide education concerning God and His Word. And you think, boy, what could be more bland and safe than that? Well, you're going to see when we really begin to get into the Word of God and look at what Scripture says, the gospel is dangerous. The gospel has requirements. It's not quite as easy as we have just sown it out there to be, thrown it out there to be. There's more to this business of coming to Jesus Christ than just saying a prayer and going the rest of your life thinking you're on your way to heaven. And we'll look at the scripture and see that in just a few moments. So when we look at the great commission, this idea of going and sharing and uh, putting the gospel out there for other people so that their lives can be transformed. It fits perfectly, to be honest with you, with these first two elements, to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost and to provide education concerning God and his word. Uh, we've dealt with the first one for the most part, but today we're going to talk about the education part of the Great Commission. I think you'll be amazed. I think your eyes may be opened to some of the things that Jesus said in a totally different light, maybe, than it ever has been before. And if that happens, I'll say, thank you, Jesus, because that's what his word is all about. Sometimes, I was thinking this morning on the way to church, how it is that in the church world, we have so many diverse opinions and teachings about so many things. Are you with me? Is that true? And so many times, those divergent opinions keep us apart, keep us from even coming and talking with one another and sharing with one another. Because that would be helpful, by the way, if if you take any group of five churches and they have different beliefs, 
then common sense would tell us that all five of them are not right. True? If they all have different beliefs about things scripturally, and we're all, you know, the Bible says there's one Lord, there's one God, there's one Lord, there's one faith, one church. And if we all have differences of opinion, if one church is saying the Bible teaches this about marriage, and another says this church, the church is teaching this about marriage, and they're teaching two opposite things, then obviously both can't be right. True? So therefore, we should always be open enough to have a discussion about Scripture and find out what the Scripture actually teaches. Because what we have been taught, the Bible says, may not be exactly what the Bible says. Has anybody ever experienced that? I guess it's just me. That things that I was may have been taught through the years that the Bible says, the Bible didn't actually say it that way. It said something a little bit different. And we have just kind of gone through the years, swallowing hook, line, and sinker what we've been taught. When if we'd look at Scripture just a little closer, we might learn just a little bit more. That's kind of what we're looking at today as we examine the Great Commission. The Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And I've got the Scriptures on the screen for you. Uh, you can look in your Bible if you'd like. But the Bible says, And he, that is Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he he who does not believe will be condemned. Now obviously that's the great commission. All of us know that. Go back to the previous screen please. All of us know that. We understand that. Um... Everybody in this building probably could have quoted that verse of Scripture, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we recognize that and identify that as being the Great Commission. If if that's true, would you say amen? amen? And then the Bible gives us this further information, verse 16, who who believes is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now let's pause just there for just a moment. Go into all the world, and I'm going to teach this morning, if that's okay with you, because I think it'll help us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, when the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, um, and we might look up at, at that globe there and envision the world, and the Bible tells us to go all over the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, that is true. That is absolutely true. However... It is also saying, when it talks about going to all the world and preach the gospel, it is also saying, go to every people group. It's not about as much the location of where they are as is, as it is who they are. The people groups. We're going to see that again from another passage. Go to all the world. Another passage that we're going to look at says, go to all the nations. Or go to all the people groups. And share the gospel with every creature. Everybody over the face of the whole earth needs the gospel. Red or yellow, black and white, they are precious in. It's like everybody needs the gospel. We're living in a day now, as we talked about last week briefly, that most people groups in the earth 
There's are represented right here in Wake County. I don't know how many people have told me this week about interactions that you have had with people from other countries this week after what I said last week. Everywhere you go, there's people speaking a different language. Right here in this county. All people groups basically are living in this area. We have, we have basically all religions represented. We basically have languages represented, nations, cultures represented right here in the area in which we live. So no longer do we have to think necessarily for us about going to the other side of the world to fulfill the great commission. You may say, well, I'm not a missionary and I would say I'm not either. I, the Lord hasn't called me to mission fields. I have had opportunities to go to other countries, to move to other countries and preach the gospel and establish churches. And Joy and I were told that, that we could start a new church every two weeks in another country. And we talked about it and prayed about it, but just it just wasn't for me. Because I knew that my calling was to be a pastor and to shepherd a, a group of people and to teach them the word of the Lord. So that wasn't my calling, so we didn't go. But, but you can do, you can fulfill the Great Commission right here in Wake County. You may have Muslim neighbors, you may have unbelievers who live next door to you, people that you work with. You can go to the other nations and you can go to other people here. Don't use the fact that you've got to go somewhere else in the world to fulfill the Great Commission. You can fulfill the Great Commission in your school, at your workplace, and in your neighborhood. And so this is a commandment today that is applicable to all of us who are here. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Some people are going to believe what you, what you teach and they're going to be baptized and other people are not going to be interested and they won't believe. And the Bible tells us what's going to happen in verse 16. He who believes and baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now next slide, please. And these signs will follow who? Now, notice, if you will, this verse is not talking about the disciples. The Lord is talking to the disciples and saying, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and some are going to believe and some are not going to believe. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now, is he talking about the disciples or is he talking about those who believe what the disciples preach? The latter, exactly right. He's not saying you disciples are going to go preach and these signs are going to follow you. No, he's saying you're going to preach the gospel to other people and these signs will follow those who believe. If you see that with your eyes and understand it, would you say amen? So quit trying to relegate the the fulfillment of the Great Commission to other people, to the preachers and to the apostles, if you will, and to the missionaries. No, this is something that all of us have the opportunity to participate in. And the Bible says, and these signs will follow those who believe. You tell people about Jesus. They believe, they're baptized, they're children of God now, the Spirit of God indwells their life, and the Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. Now before I keep reading, anybody here still believe the Bible? The Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. 
And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, that's what Jesus said that believers were going to do. As they go, these things will happen. You know what the problem is? A lot of times we're not going anywhere. The Bible just didn't say these things were going to happen. The Bible said these signs will follow those who believe. And as they go, these things will happen. But when we don't go, nothing happens. Why is it that you can leave Wake County, North Carolina and fly to the other side of the world where people have never heard the gospel before and people are, this is happening every day in other parts of the world. Did y'all hear what I said? This is happening every day in other parts of the world. People are being raised from the dead. There are absolute miracles taking place and great revivals in different parts of this world today where people are being converted and they're sharing their faith and then the Spirit of God is showing up in power to confirm His Word with signs following. But it doesn't happen to entertain churches and make preachers look good. It happens to open people's eyes to who Jesus is. So that they will hear the gospel and receive the word of God and become Christians. So these signs will follow those who believe. This past week I was out. This Anybody seen this retention pond back here behind them? You know there's a hole back there where all the drain water goes and it holds there until it runs out or evaporates. And it had grown up. It was looking pretty rough. And there were, there were cattails this high, taller than me. And there's grass, and I got tired of looking at all that mess. I thought, this is crazy. So I got my weed eater and put a blade on it instead of string, and I, I went after that thing. But when I started wading in there, and I was six inches deep in the water, and looking at all that stuff, I thought, my goodness, how many snakes are in this? And you know what came to me? This scripture. It says, they will take up serpents. I said, Lord, I know this is stupid. Wading around here and all of this stuff. But your word says, you'll protect us. And I'm doing this for the church. That's what I told the Lord. I said, I'm doing this for the church. And if it was in my house, I probably wouldn't be doing it. But it's out here where everybody can see it, and I want this to look good, and I'm going to cut this down, and I'm going to believe, Lord, that you'll protect me. And how in the world I ever cut all that mess down and never saw a single snake? There had to be some snakes in that mess. Had to be. But the Bible says as we follow him and love him, he will protect us. And signs will follow those who believe. And so we're going to to draw from that, that when we go and when we share Jesus, that good things can happen and the Lord's going to show himself mighty in behalf of those who are willing to do that. Anybody believe that but me? I believe that with all my heart. I believe if we'll open our mouth, well, now let me preface that by saying we need to live right. We need to live right. It can't be lip service. It just can't be gibberish. It can't be our little rehearsed thing that we want to tell people about Jesus. And and we're, oh goodness. This is what happens when you don't have the time that you want to prepare, that you want to have. And then you come up and you kind of fly off the handle and you say things that 
I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with a pastor who has a son who was a very well-known gospel musician, singer, songwriter. I said to this pastor, how's he doing? Well, he's, he's decided to retire. I said, retire? He's like 30? I said, retire? I said, he said, yeah, he's just decided to retire. I said, who retires when they're 30? And he said, well, to be honest with you, he said he just got tired of riding on the buses and seeing what goes on with a lot of these people who were singing and said he had just had it and wasn't going to do it anymore. Do you realize that everybody who shares the word and cares the Bible doesn't really enjoy a genuine relationship with Jesus? Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's a business. Sometimes it's a front. Sometimes it's a show. I'm going to show you that from Scripture in a few minutes. Store that in the back of your mind, that little story. We'll save that to the end. If you're sincere and you're following the Lord and you're telling people about Jesus, you can take that Scripture that's on the screen right now. You can take it to the bank. The Lord will honor His Word. The Great Commission. Say that with me. The Great Commission. But that's not all of it. Not by a long shot. That's not all of it. It's not just telling people about Jesus. Let's go over to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 now. And this is Matthew's account of the Great Commission and what the Lord had to say on that day. And notice, if you would, that Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, this is the words of our Lord. Jesus says, all authority or all power, King James Version is power, New King James is authority. It's used different, different, it's the same word translated authority or power. Let me, let me give you an example of that. What would happen this evening or this afternoon if you decided to walk out on Highway 401 or 96, whichever, and stand in the middle of the road like this and hold up your hand? Somebody says you probably get run over. You know why? Because you've got no authority to do that. You've got no authority to do that. But you put on the right blue clothes and have the right badge and walk out in the middle of the road and hold up your hand. What do they do? They stop. Because that person has the power and the authority to do that. Am I right? It makes a difference, doesn't it? And so the Bible says that Jesus said, Jesus has been three and a half years with the disciples. Jesus has performed miracles. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been dead. And now he has risen to life again. He has appeared to all of his disciples over a period of 40 days. Now he's about to go away. And he says... To them, all authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Next verse. Go therefore. Wait a minute. Therefore. 
It has been said, and aptly so, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to look at it very closely and find out what that therefore is there for. Therefore means something. In other words, it points to what has already been said. And based on what's already been said, then you say this next thing. So Jesus says, all power and authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. So go, therefore. In other words, he has the authority and is giving us the authority to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know if you, you notice it or not, but this is worded a little different than the other one. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But the emphasis in this account of the Great Commission is a little different. Here it is. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. A disciple is a pupil. A disciple is a learner. A learner. A disciple is a follower. So he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, of all the people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then... Verse 20 says, and this is the really important part, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Read verse 20 with me, the words that are highlighted in yellow. Would you do that? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Would you do it with me one more time? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All right. So we go to the next slide and we see, let's talk just a little bit about disciples. Go and make disciples. A disciple is a pupil, a learner, a follower. So we're to go make, it's our assignment to go and make pupils. To go and make learners, to go and make followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about just just getting them to say a prayer that takes 60 seconds and say, now I'm born again and good to go for the rest of my life. Because there's a lot of people on this earth today that are deceived by that. They're no more saved than Job's turkey and they think their own way to heaven. I'm going to tell you today, it takes more than a prayer to do it. And I'm going to show you that from scripture. It takes more than a prayer to do it. We are not saved by our works. But it does take more than a prayer as we shall see from the word of God. So we're to go and make disciples, people who will follow Jesus. We are, the the Greek word is methetes, is what you see up there. It's a learner, it's a pupil. So what we see here in this assignment from the Lord Jesus, the one who has the authority to tell us to do it and the power to follow it through, is that there is teaching that is done here. That's us teaching them 
to observe. There's learning that takes place, and that's the people that we are teaching, and then there's the following through with the doing of it. Now, let's, let's take that apart for just a moment. Um, too many have, as I say, prayed the prayer with no thought of what's required. Let's go to the next, yeah, there it is. Let's focus on born again for just a moment. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, I'm going to let you fill in the blank, but you can't fill it in until I give you the blank, okay? You blank, be born again. Must. Can everybody say must? It's not an option. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to meet God one day, if you want to stay out of a place called hell, let's say it. You must be born again. Is that right? Jesus said it. You must be born again. Now, let's also acknowledge that you cannot be born again until you've repented. Is that right? You have to repent. Well, what does repent mean? It means to turn around. It means if I'm going this way and I repent, I'm saying... I'm tired of living like this. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Now, repenting is more than saying, I'm sorry. Repenting is more than saying, Lord, forgive me. Repenting is having that attitude and confessing that we're sinners. But then we turn around and go the different way than where we were going. That's what repentance is. That's the way it's defined biblically. Repentance is turning around. Now, stay with me. Are you with me? You what, baby, born again? You must be born again if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can't be born again until you repent, which means turn around. Am I on good, solid, biblical footing so far? Say amen. Amen. And then after we have repented... We've confessed our sin. We've asked the Lord to forgive us our sin. We've made up our mind we want to live for Him. And we invite Him into our hearts and our lives. And the Bible says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we pray that prayer and if we repent and we turn from, turn from our sin, we turn around, then we can be born again. And once we're born again, Jesus and Old Testament and New, God the Father and God the Son, even the Holy Spirit, all require this, that there be a separation in our lives. Separation, what do you mean by that, Pastor? It means we can't be like the world. The Lord said, the Lord God said in the Old Testament, be ye holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Amen? Amen. And the word also says, come out from among them and be separate. Don't be like them. Listen, there is no such thing as a Christian, which means Christ-like. You can't be a Christ-like Christian and be like the world at the same time. We have, we have so convoluted that idea that people can do anything they want to do, believe anything they believe, and still say they're Christians. We're still going to touch on that before we leave. And Jesus is going to tell us the problem with that. See, so when the Bible says to us that we are to go and make disciples, it first of all means that we're going to 
to teach people some of the things I'm saying here. We're going to teach them all things that the Lord has spoken. And all these things are what Jesus taught in the Gospels. He taught those things. So if we're going to make disciples, we're going to have to teach the way that I've just explained it here. But now listen, just because you teach, does that mean they learn? Beth? Because you teach, does it mean they learn? She's been a teacher for 15 years. That's why I'm asking Beth. Just because, got two educators, got a principal and a teacher right here on the front row. Just because you teach, does that mean they learn? I got, I got three confirmations here from teachers that could get it. Tony, just because you teach, do they learn? I'm trying to make a point here. Are you all getting it? You see, we can teach and we can tell them, but that doesn't mean the process is complete because you can, you can teach till you blue in the face and they may not get it and they may not want to get it. Right? And so here's, here's the, 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 the uh, process now, there's repentance, which means turning from your sin. Then you can be born again. Then you've got to be separated and you've got to be committed to this Lord Jesus Christ that you supposedly were praying to and leaning on and his, what he did on the cross for us. This is more than just saying, a, listen, becoming a Christian is not a get out of hell free card. Y'all ever played Monopoly? There's a get out of jail free card in Monopoly. I just decided to Google that this week. Get out of hell free. You would not believe the cards that are designed that say get out of hell free card. It is a, now some of them are gospel tracks to get your attention and then they go and explain the gospel. But some of them are a mockery of us as Christians. And so when you say something to somebody about the sin in their life, they can say, well, I'm not worried about it. I have a get out of hell free card, see? Some people come to the Lord, uh, pray the prayer, I should say, and it is nothing more to them than hell insurance. That's their only motivation. They just don't want to go to hell. So they pray this prayer because they've been told if they'd pray this prayer, they wouldn't go to hell. And I'm saying to you today, there's more to it than that. I'm saying to you, according to the word of God today, you can't be saved until you repent. And repent means to turn from your sin. And then you can be born again. And then after you're born again, you're supposed to separate yourself from the world and the things of this world, the sin and so forth that you used to participate in. And then there's this level of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ because he has expectations from you as a child of God. Amen. Amen. What man puts his hand to the plow and then does what? That's going to be a crooked looking row, isn't it? 
I'm going to mess things up big time if this is the way I plow. Looking back where I've been, longing for what I had, and moving forward slowly. That's what Jesus said. Who does that? Who starts out plowing and then, and then looks back? Who, who gets into something to begin with without counting the cost? See, we don't tell people the cost because we're afraid that's going to run them away. We don't tell them it's going to take sacrifice. We don't tell them it's going to take self-denial. We don't tell them that this is a lifelong decision, that you're going to have to quit doing some of the things you've been doing. And you're going to have to change the way you've been living because Jesus wants you to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He wants you to have an influence where you work and where you go. When you go to Walmart in the parking lot, somebody pulls in that place right before you get there. No, you don't cuss them out, bless them out, and let them have it. That's not the way Christians do things, is it? And so we respond to life differently than sinners do. So, again, I want to read to you what the Scripture said. The Scripture says, Go therefore... Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what your pastor's trying to do today? I'm trying to make disciples. I'm trying to make disciples. And I'm trying to teach them. Now, not everybody who gets taught learns. We've established that. But I'm trying to teach them to observe all things which I have commanded you. Now, here's another. Kevin, if you don't mind, let's go back to that scripture. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I want you to watch this. Because this is what I'm saying. There's a whole lot in this in this um, great commission that we don't talk about. We remember the go and preach the gospel to every creature part. And the rest of it's just... Look at this. We are to make disciples. And we are to teach them to do what? Observe. In other words, we're just not supposed to teach them something that's going to be in their head. But we're supposed to teach them something that's going to be in their heart and change the way they do things. How many of you who are here like to observe Christmas? How many of you find it a beautiful thing when you observe communion? See, that means you do something. To observe means not just to look at it, but you're participating in something. Participating in Christmas. Participating in communion. And the Bible says that we are supposed to make disciples of all nations. That we're supposed to teach them to observe all things. Not just teach them, but teach them to observe. Teach them to be obedient. Teach them to surrender to the Lord Jesus. Teach them to separate themselves. If they haven't prayed that prayer of repentance, and if they haven't turned around from their sin, and if they're not willing and haven't shown a desire to do that, they need to know there's more to it than a magic. Listen, this is not abracadabra. There's not magic words that you say that make it happen. It's what you do in your heart. 
and your response to what Jesus did on the cross. Now, he's done all the work. Granted, he has. But you have to cooperate with him and his word. And I might say, and all things that I have commanded you. Verse 20, Jesus said. And then he reminds us again. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now... I'm going to go now to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, would you raise your hands? Three chapters of the Bible, all written in red, as Jesus preaches and teaches the people. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, as the the, um, Sermon on the Mount comes to an end, I'd like for you to listen to what the Bible says the response of the people were who were listening. The Bible says in verse 28, this is the last verse in chapter 7 where the Sermon on the Mount has just been shared. The Bible says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having... Authority and not as the scribes. Here's what he has said at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. Is the narrow gate like this or is it like this? The narrow gate's the small one. Everybody say small. You got it. Enter by the narrow gate. Because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. When I read that, every time I read it, you know what I think of? Broadway. Broadway. New York City, Broadway. A lot of things go on on Broadway. About anything goes on Broadway. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now somebody remind us who's talking here. Jesus is talking. If this, this leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. Many choose to go in the broad way. The easy way. The way that everybody else is going. But then he says, because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way. Which leads to life. And there be few who find it. Now listen. If that's not a picture of where we live today. Because. the Listen. Broadway has never been any broader than what it is right now. It doesn't matter what you believe. In the eyes of most people. You're on your way to heaven. Am I right? I mean, literally, 
It doesn't matter what you believe. We're all going to heaven. It's a broad way. And for people who, who go in that broad way. And just go with the crowd and go with the flow and go according to popular opinion and accept everything they've been told, everything they hear, that the, the, the end is not going to be good because that's the way that leads to destruction. And many people are going there. And it's our job to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples and teach people what the word of God says and quit being cowardly about it. But tell people the truth. That's our job and God will honor it if we will do it. That's what he's called us to do. That this is, this is really an important. See, when I said, when I said the second element of our vision statement is is educating people about God and His Word. That sounds kind of safe and bland. But when you really start understanding what it really means, it gets to where we live. And the people we talk to, listen, you know as well as I do, when you start talking to people about the truth of God's Word, you're going to get laughed at, mocked, and talked about. Rejected. People don't want to hear it. Well, Jesus knew that. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved. But he that believeth not, some won't believe. That's out of our control. But wouldn't it be ashamed? That of the, whether it's 5% or 10% or 40% or 70% of the people out there who would hear and accept the gospel if it were shared with them. I don't know what the percentage is. I sure don't want to put a lid on it and limit God. Wouldn't it be ashamed if those people never heard the gospel because we didn't tell them? We didn't care enough to tell them the truth. I will tell you this today, I would not waste my time going to a church where they would not tell me what the Bible says. Why would I waste my time there? They want to pat me on the back and tell me what a good person I am and how everything I'm doing that's wrong is going to be all right in the end anyway because it doesn't matter when the Bible says it does matter. We have a responsibility to teach people the truth and the word of God. And so, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Now we're coming down to our last scripture, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, same passage. In context now, let's listen to this word of the Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who what? Does the will of my Father in heaven. I'd like for you to read with me verse 21, all of us together. Here we go. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
Well, that's plain enough, isn't it? And the next scripture says, many, many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? You see, I've often wondered, how could people be so deceived? How could people genuinely think that they had been doing what was right and only find out at the very end that it was so wrong because they never had connected with the Lord Jesus Christ and been truly born again? So this is the word of our Lord now. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. We've sung in the choir. We've paid our tithes. We've done this and we've done that and passed out tracts and gone on visitation. And we've done all these things. And he will say, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye who practice what? Lawlessness. That means that God has stipulated and laid out in his word certain things that are acceptable and certain things that are not acceptable to the Lord. Amen? And when we decide that we want to ignore what God has said is wrong and we're going to call it right, that is lawlessness. We don't want God's law. We don't want to hear God's law. We don't want to know God's law. We're just going to say, we're, if, if it feels all right to me, let's just do it the way we're doing it. And it can be an outright contradiction to the word of the Lord. And we swallow it hook, line, and sinker. If you're, our musicians would come, please. I don't know how um, aware... Many of you are of what's happening in our culture and in our world today with regard to Christianity. I, I get dozens and dozens of emails and text and news bulletins and things like that all throughout the week, every week of my life. Sites that are reporting on the religious news and happenings in the world today. And I'm going to tell you where, if you want to use the word uh, Christendom at large, where it is headed would make you sick. And what is being accepted in many churches by many pastors the numbers of leaders in traditional churches that are standing up and renouncing their faith and saying, it's all just a sham. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. Well, Jesus spoke about that in his word. He said that, so, that, that they would, the, the love of many would wax cold and people would leave and, and disappear and wouldn't come back. He talked about all this in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right to man, but it leads to death. 
And the only way we're going to know the difference between what is right and what is not right is to open this book and study it. I cannot take the word of any authority that is not aligned with the word of God. I have to align myself with scripture. Amen. No matter who it is and no matter what they say, if it is not aligned with the word of God, I'm sorry. But I can't, I can't, I can't be told that certain things are okay when the Bible says they're not okay. Many will say to me, if we could go back to that one, please. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, does this sound like church people to y'all? Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Doesn't that sound like church people to you? I, I didn't say born again people necessarily. I didn't say, I didn't say this church. I just said that sounds like people who go to church. That seems like people who go through a ritual. They're involved. They're doing certain things. And yet the Lord would say to them, I'll declare to them, I never knew you depart me from me, you who practice lawlessness. It is the job of the church. It is the job of Christians. It is the job of pastors to stand flat-footed in the pulpit and tell God's truth to people without apology or making excuses. And if they hear it, they can be saved. Their lives can be transformed and they can be a part of the kingdom of God. But if they don't hear it and they reject it, that's their choice. But we are supposed to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We're to be making disciples, teaching them to observe all that the Lord has said. I'll tell you, if you just go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. If that's all you want to read and that's all you want to study, I promise you, you can make it to heaven by living according to the Sermon on the Mount. Everything you need is really there. Jesus won't lead you astray. And he says a lot of things in that sermon that flies in the face of the culture we live in today. But what he says is true. I'd like you to stand with me and we're going to sing this, this song. And if you're here today and you would like to spend a moment or two in prayer, well, I should rephrase that. If you would like to spend some time in prayer, you're welcome to come. As we conclude the song, um, Brother Chris is coming. But if you would, I'd like for you to contemplate what we've heard today and um, if you'd like to talk to the Lord about it or anything on your heart that you want to pray about you're welcome to come as we sing this together just as 
Thank you. 
more time. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Amen. Amen. Tell you, each Sunday I come, I just love the sweet music. I love the old hymns. I tell you, there's a place for them even today. The way it speaks to our heart and our soul, and, and I hope that you feel the same way. As we enter this time of prayer, I ask you to remember the the prayer request that our brother, uh, our pastor, gave earlier today for Sister Joy, uh, Brother Brisson as well as Joy's parents and, and family there. Just lift them up today. Uh, I believe we all uh, are thankful that we were spared this week, hopefully from the hurricane. There were not all those that were that fortunate uh, in the Bahamas, the Outer Banks. So we want to lift those families up uh, that lost a lot of everything um, up and down the coast of North Carolina and, and down the southern parts of the United States. So remember them. And I ask that you lift my family up for a special need that we have today as well. Anyone else that would like to speak out or, or just by uplifting hand? Father, we thank you for the word today, Lord. We thank you for the sweet spirit that we felt here. Father, we thank you, Lord, for each and every individual that made this sacrifice to come today to worship you. And so, Father, now we lift these prayers to you today, Father. Lord, from those that are hurting in the Bahamas and the coast, those that are traveling, Father, those that have needs for jobs, for family, Father, those, dear Lord, that didn't speak out today, Father, that, that we just lift them up today, Father, and we pray that you would take these prayer requests, Father. Your Bible says, and your word says, that we two or three shall agree upon anything, it shall be done. And so, Father, we hold true to that today, Father, that we bind together as a united church, Father, in honor of these requests, Father, knowing, God, that something good is going to happen. Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, in advance for the prayers that we're going to receive and the answers that we're going to hear, Father. And Lord, we pray blessings upon each and every person today. As we go our separate ways, keep us safe, Father, and bring us back at our next appointed hour. For it's in your name we ask it. Amen.